Q's Nation, your boy Dean Francis once again, out of world podcast. And look, before I get into it, your boy been under the weather a bit, dealing with this non-COVID illness, got a cold, stuffy nose, sore throat. If I don't sound myself, then that's why, but... I had to get on this joint, give my two cents with all this nonsense with the head coach. Making the waves nationally once again for the, all the wrong reasons. You know, it's sad because we're at a point right now, it's, it's, we're, we're almost done with the season. There's only about, I think, what, six games, seven games left? So the end of the season is near. And it's sad that the biggest noise or the most attention that this basketball program has made all season has nothing to do with what we have seen on the basketball court when talking about Coming away with big victories. Something we could be proud about. As fans. You turn on Sports Center or you watch, you know, highlights of different sports shows on various stations and all that. How many times this season we could say, man, that's our orange right there. That's our team. Moving in the right direction. Look at those boys go. Team looking good. Nah, instead, it's Jimmy going back and forth, beefing with student reporters. We lost three straight. We get a win against BC. And instead of just talking about the game and talking about the victory and saying, you know what? Hopefully we can get things back on track because the next set of games coming up, it's not going to be easy. With Duke and Clemson and Pitt and NC State, even the road game at Florida State's not going to be easy. Because, yeah, Florida State got off to a rough start, but now that they're a bit healthy and one of their um freshmen that was suspended for like, the first half of the season is back. They've been playing much better ball. So the next five, six games, it's it's, it's not going to be easy. So instead of focusing on that, this guy starts mentioning names, talking about who bought teams and NILs and all kind of stuff. And it's like, dude, if you're so bothered by that, if you don't like the current climate of college ball with NIL and portals and all kind of stuff. Then why the hell are you still coaching? Why are you not following your peers like Coach K, Roy Williams, soon to be Mike Bray, Jay Wright? I mean, these guys, they're all stepping down. They're golfing. 
Coach K's hitting casinos up. These guys want to spend time with their families and stuff, their kids, grandkids. Spend more time with their wives. Why is he the only one? He he doesn't want to watch his kids play ball. Buddy's in the G League. Like you're not gonna see him in too many NBA games. So if you want to see Buddy play some professional ball, go out to Grand Rapids or or or, or one of those places wherever the Piston G League team play at, and go watch Buddy. Or go get your passport in order and go watch Jimmy in Switzerland or wherever he's at. If you're so disgusted and you don't like how college basketball is right now. You're always complaining and whining about something. So why are you still coaching then? Arguing with student reporters. I mean, look, I I, I haven't been on since when that whole ordeal went down. And stuff like that is so preventable because... Benny, before that game, Benny gets benched. Then the next game, he's nowhere to be found. There's no explanation, no nothing. And he said, all right, we're going to address it after the game. And then after the game, talks about everything besides that. So you can't blame whether it's a student reporter or if it was... Um, Donald DeToto or Mike Waters or whoever. Like, this is a guy that was starting. A dude that was a big-time recruit coming in. We know it hasn't worked out. He's not at the game. It's nowhere to be found. And you said you was going to address it first thing after the game. And you don't do it. And when it's the first question asked, you're mad. You're barking on the reporter, talking about you don't like his attitude and stuff. Really? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it slipped his mind. It could be, all right, maybe JB was like, let me talk about the game and this and that. And maybe it slipped his mind. I give him that benefit of a doubt. Maybe he didn't intentionally mean to not say anything about Benny. Maybe, you know, after a tough loss and everything, he's like, all right, boom, this is what happened. And he's talking about the different points throughout the game and stuff. And then he's like, questions. But, you know, if you're a reporter, if you're, you're you know, a writer or whatever, you're not doing your job if you're not asking, hey, what happened? What happened to Benny? What's the situation with Benny? You can't be, oh, what? That's the first question. That's the first question. What? So what? Like, go. It's the third loss in a row. We just another defeat. Like we just keep talking about losses all the time. Like, what, 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 what are the questions you want them to ask? And then when somebody asks them in the end, that oh, this is the third. You know, time and time again, Syracuse keep losing these close tight games against good teams. What's what's you know what's the problem? And then JB's like, I'm out of here. I'm done. <laughs> JP is like, F this, I'm out. <laughs> so it's like, you're mad at this question. And then when they ask about the game and things like that, you don't want to hear it. So uh, 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 JB makes national headlines off for that. And then this week he's like, and I know now the thing is, oh, I misspoke. I misspoke. No, it's called damage control. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody got to Jimmy and said, come on, dude. Really? Wake Forest and Pitt? 
Wake Forest and Pitt. I mean, there's some teams in this country that you can call out buying players. I don't think Pitt and Wake Forest are the two that should come to your mind. You know, I'm starting to want, like, you know, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy's up there in age. We know that. I wonder, you know, he's a little senile at the moment. Like, maybe, yeah, he probably misspoke because he took Pitt and Wake Forest for, like, Kentucky and, 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 and Kansas or something. I don't know. Maybe that's what he meant. Because I remember before the start of the season, and I was trying to, scout like the other teams when we was doing like the season preview pods and I was trying to see all right what what are these other teams looking like the competition for the ACC coming in and I'm telling you I was looking at Pittsburgh roster and and, and like Wake Forest and Clemson and Georgia Tech and those like four teams they stood out where I was like I don't even know who the hell like 80 to 90% of the players on these rosters. I'm like, I never even heard of half of these guys. So that's why I'm, it's amazing that Pittsburgh is doing well when Clemson, you know, is at the top of the ACC. The other two, I'm not surprised about Georgia Tech and um, and Wake Forest, I guess, is, is decent. But um, yeah, like those, those four teams kind of stood out. I was just like, you know, it was Pitt. I was like, Cape ain't going to last long with these guys. So I don't know what JB's talking about because like one of the guys I do know, and it's because he used to bust our ass when he was at Colgate, Nelly Cummins. Like you think there's a Benin war when he was coming out of Colgate? Like I'm I, I'm sure maybe he's getting some NIL money, but like come on, you 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 think there's a Benin war for that or Wake Forest? Like even if JB's saying he misspoke, how the hell do you think at this point Pitt and and, and, and Wake Forest? have any kind of budget where they, you know, buying teams and stuff like that. And if they did, if they had money like that, you don't think they would have higher echelon name brand type notable players that we all would know about? Because if you ask, if somebody asks me quick right now, name three players on Wake Forest, I'll have a hard time. I kid you not. So, I don't know. Jimmy was on one, man. Like, he's been on one. And it's it's crazy that, like I said, we're heading towards the end of the season. And throughout the whole season, we hardly have been able to talk about the games, wins and losses, in a positive sense. Because even when you look at the wins... Outside of beating Virginia Tech when they didn't have one of their best players, who have this team beaten? So they have shown, you know what, they can beat the average to below average type teams. But anytime they have to punch above their weight class, they always come up a little bit short. So instead of trying to focus on, okay, you know what, we head into the end stretch of the season. Let's see if we can finish strong. Maybe these guys can, you know, get into the NIT or, 
You know, there's slim. I know there's people that think, oh, if we run the table, maybe, you know, we get in that tournament discussion. I'm not even going to go there. We now nah, I'm, I'm pulling anybody that's talking tournament right now at this point. I'm just hitting them with the Jamora. When he's like, playoffs? I'm like, tournament? Nah, I'm not going there yet. You know, I said a few weeks ago that North Carolina game, put up or shut up. You win the game like that, you get our attention. Nothing but losses. So until this team strings along a couple of good victories against teams that will most likely make the dance. And like I named them earlier, you have Duke, you have NC State, you have Clemson, you have Pitt. Beat a few of those teams and then, you know, we get our attention and we'll have that discussion. But it's sad that we can't even talk basketball. We can't even break games down. We can't talk about player development and, you know, how the roster could look for next season and all that. The discussion nationally, all people are talking about when it comes to Syracuse is Jim Beheim making asinine statements and just going off the rails with his loose tongue. And then, you know, yeah, the article over the weekend um, where he's like, oh, with retirement, it's my choice. So I leave when I want to leave and nobody's telling me, you know, when to go and nod and all this stuff. And this is the problem when you have a gutless coward or like Wild Hack as the AD. Because JB just feels like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. I run the show. So nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm the boss. And if it was going to be like that, they should have just made JB the AD. When 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 that other dude left for Minnesota, they should have just made JB the AD, the AD and the coach. It seems like he runs the school. And you know what I find funny? And you know what I find funny? Remember that time last year, and I think it was around this point last year, when we were having these same kind of discussions, and Jimmy was catching a lot of heat on the radio. And he said, oh, we have an ironclad plan, and, 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 and everything is locked in. Nobody knows about it yet. You'll find out soon, but it's ironclad. Whatever happened to that? He he doesn't talk about that anymore. Not, nothing ironclad. I told you guys at that time, I said, it's bullshit. Because when he said that, once again, he was just being loose with the tongue, talking reckless. There was nothing ironclad. Nothing set in plan. And that's that's an issue. That's an issue right there. And while Wild Hack is like, what's what's the point of having him around? Because at this stage, we know realistically, JB is not going to be coaching for another five years, six, seven years and stuff. We'll, we'll joke like, you know, it's, it's a funny joke when we all talk about oh, him having like a lifetime, you know, he'll drop down dead on the court. Like my guy, Jason Spears, always said, like JB's going to coach until he, you know, has a heart attack or stroke in the game when he's like 105 or whatever. You know, it's probably like we, we shits and giggles. We laugh about that. But in reality, we know it's not, you know, he's not going to coach like another five years. I mean, I would hope not. But if it's really going to be another season or so. 
why something can't be laid down and be and, and be official and everybody has an idea of okay this is where it's going moving forward because if you're staying in house which i think we all know is most likely you know what i'm saying even though i think the hop situation bears watching because you know they, they're ready to run his ass out of washington so you know i don't know what hop's next move would be you know if he would um just chill out for a year or he'll join uh, another coaching staff as an assistant or you know maybe just uh, do some tv work get into media and stuff so you know that that bears watching but i think there should be some kind of talk after the season with wahak and, and jb and the coach his assistants and the higher-ups um, with the board of trustees and all, like they gotta get together. You can't keep doing all this, maybe this and that or whatever. They has to be a vision, a future for the program, man. I just, you know, it's 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 one thing if everything was still ro- um moving smoothly and we're top twenty, top twenty five team and all that, and we're like, all right, well, you know, let Jimmy do whatever the hell he want. You know, he want to keep coach, keep you know doing his thing. Who are we to question him? But when you see the inconsistencies and, you know, it's like you just wonder, well, what's the what's the plan? What's the future, man? It's like you're just trying to wing, winging it. That that's, that's not setting anybody up for success. Especially, like I said, if you stay in-house, like how, how, how are you setting up the future coach for success if, like, he's trying to recruit? Like, we saw this happen with numerous recruits. With this 2023 class where, you know, you had a few guys that were like looking at Red. Hey, you know, are you going to be the guy? And he can't even give a clear answer because he obviously he's not sure. And we lose out on several dudes. And we know there's going to be some movement when the season is over. Because when you recruit this way, when you're like, okay, we're just going to load up on five, six freshmen and stuff. We're going to um, do like we did back in the 90s and the 2000s and develop these guys. And when they're like juniors and seniors, we, we, you know, it's going to be like 2009 again. That doesn't work. Not where things stand currently with transfer rules and NIL and portal, all that. If these guys aren't getting their way after a season or two, they're gone. And if they exceed expectations, they're off to the NBA. So when JB's, you know, whether he misspoke or not or whatever, but when he's calling out these other teams and he's saying, oh, they bought players and the portal and this and that, you know, he made some excuse some weeks ago about, oh, uh, the portal uh, was just, you know, money guys. That's why we didn't get anybody and stuff. And. From what I understand was when Swider left and Benny was still unsure if he was going to return, our assistants wanted to get some guys out of the portals, um, some, some, look at some forward death. And JB was basically the one like, nah, try to get Benny back. Like that was their recruiting, to recruit Benny back and... He was fine with 
the freshman coming in because uh, apparently he, he was really high on Bell and um, let's go play tail at the wings and we have Brown. So he felt, hey, it's better to develop the freshman and get Benny back than get somebody out of the portal, even though the portal has been good to us. Cole had a good season, Andrew White. So, um, you know, that whole thing when he's talking about, oh, it was just money, guys. Not nah, like we weren't involved with anybody because he, 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 he pulled the plug on that one. He was like, don't get nobody out of the portal. So how you know it's money, guys, when you were the one that said, nah, don't, don't, don't go after anybody in the portal. So, I don't know, guys. And then it's funny to me that he's, he, he, so speaking of money, guys, he kind of throws white spin under the bus because he's saying, oh, uh, my, 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 my guy, he talks about it, but he's only paying these dudes 20K. So that kind of contradicts what Weitzman is out there talking about because he, 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 he's another one that's loose with his tongue running to any media member that gives him any kind of attention. And he's like, oh, yeah, I spend, you know, a million dollars on SU athletes and all these deals he has on the table for recruits and stuff. And FJB is like, hey, this dude is just giving cats 20K. That means that. You know, there's this this some 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 ruffling of the feathers going around with some of the guys when they probably looking at Weissman sideways because you look at things where that situation with Elliot Cadeau, where he's like, Oh yeah, I got a million dollar offer on the table for three years and all that stuff. And then a guy like Judah Mitz, he's probably saying to himself, like, yo, I'm here putting in this work. I'm the point guard, I'm running the show on the scene, I'm putting up these numbers. And this dude is giving me 20K, but he's offering this other dude over 300K. Cause you know, that million for a million over three years, that's like over 300K a year. So that this is the concern I was telling you guys about on a few podcasts ago. Because look at Miami. Miami dealt with that. And why they had to get Ruiz to pipe down with the numbers when he got specific with the Nigel Pack situation. Because when he said, oh, yeah, like two year, 800K, you know, that's 400K a year. Isaiah Wong, who was their leading scorer and everything coming back, was like, oh, hell no, that's not happening. Either we renegotiate, I get a boost to pay, or I'm out of here. I'm going to the portal. And that whole situation got messy for a second, and then they straightened it out. So when Beheim is saying that either the players are coming to him, telling them, complaining about it, or the assistants, because JB, <laughs> we know that that's one of the things. Like when JB gets loose with the tongue, he's letting so much out. And I'm sure that's what's be, being discussed. That when on one end, this dude, because we know when Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is not coming up to Central New York to watch Syracuse lose a basketball game in frigid temperatures for no 20K or no 50K. I'm pretty sure it's a big, large lump sum of deposit that Mr. White Weitzman sent to Jalen Hurts and his people to get him out there for a few hours to go watch Syracuse lose. And don't think the players and the coaches and people around are like, "Hey, this this is some this this is this is some fugazi stuff right here." 
Especially if what JB is saying is correct, where the players like they ain't getting like they ain't getting nobody like that. But you bring Jalen Hurts for you know giving them that heavy bag, but you ain't giving the players the heavy bags. Like what's up with that? But those things should be kept in house, though. That's why I said when you have this guy on one end going public about all these things about hosting recruits and stuff, and what happened, guys? After I put that pod out, I think it was like a week later, there's reports about, oh, the NCAA is really trying to come in and crack down on who's committing violations with the NIL stuff. And they're going to try to throw the hammer at people at some point. So when you have this guy on one end talking crazy, and then you have JB on the other end saying, it's another, and, and, and look, here goes something else. I saw this. Before I, I hopped on the pod, JB is like, oh, NIL is fine, but let's get the boosters out of it. Let's get the boosters out of it. Does he know? Does he know who is on his side? Does he know that he has a guy on his end that's out there broadcasting every single negotiation that he has with a recruit that can get our ass in trouble? The man went public and said, I am going to host a recruit and his family, which is not, <laughs> which is not um by the rules. Like the rules state, like the booster cannot be involved with the recruit. We know they are. Okay, let's not be naive, but, you know, let's have some discretion about it. Like all oh, that's kind of kept on the hush, but the dude is like, hey, he's, he's just broadcasting everything. And then you got JB on one end that's like, look. I don't think boosters and all that stuff, and, 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 that shouldn't be happening. It should be like the old-fashioned way. And it's like, yo, you you got somebody that's saying he's doing all this for your players right now. So what? it's just a whole lot of contradiction that's happening. So it's like nobody's really on the same page. That's what I'm getting at. It's like JB's doing one thing. Seem like the assistant coaches all doing their own thing. You got the bag man that's on his own world. He's paying celebrities and athletes to hang out with him and stuff. But there's people that are jealous on the Q side that's saying, hey, we not even getting a fraction of the bread. You out there telling tales about how much you're spending, but you're not really spending that kind of bread on us. And you got Wild Hack. Who knows what he's doing? He's probably just in his office kneeling down. Um, worshiping that Jim Beheim poster that he has probably in his office and stuff. And he's like, yes, Jim, do whatever you want, Jim. I would never question you, Jim. You can stay as long as you want, Jim. Because somebody made a good point yesterday on Twitter when I, I, cause I had a tweet and I said, look, might as well just give JB a lifetime extension. Lifetime contract, like why not? Like let him do whatever the hell he want at this point. And somebody said, "Look, Wild Hack getting the job, Wild Hack being hired, that was his lifetime contract." And I was like, "Shit, that's good point." So look, once again, not saying fire Jim, kick him out. No, I say it all the time. The man's a legend. The man has earned his right to go out on his own terms. But at some point, at some point, there has to be something that's set where 
the finish is at least clean and respectable going out the door for 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 the coach and the program and whoever is going to be the success for after. We don't want a situation where everything just gets ugly and nasty and then the ending isn't what any of us had envisioned. And then the talk is basically like, hey, Jim should have hung it up years ago or, you know, uh, when, you know, his kids were done playing. Because in hindsight, I think that would have been the best way for Jim to call it a career, in my opinion. I know the season wins, losses, whatever, didn't, you know, that's not how you wanted to go out with. But I'm sure he and he said himself that that was one of his best seasons of coaching was the coaches two boys and with them leaving and moving on and stuff think that would have been a great way for the you know the Bayham sons and coach Bayham all the to call it a career then and there and stuff not like this where it's like you know you're losing games and you know it's it's you know unless they you know run the table and stuff or go crazy in the ACC tournament it's looking like you know postseason could be in doubt unless you know they get in the NIT and it's like come on now man like at some point there has to be a discussion there has to be a set plan and you know that Bayham can go out gracefully at least not not this way where it's like only time the dude is making headlines is because he said something crazy he said something out of line that he has to apologize for like no, nah, that 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 has to that has to end. Like this is this is this is embarrassing. Like any like unless you're 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 like just a blind Jim Beheim supporter who thinks he can do no wrong. I don't know how any Syracuse fan can be happy with what they have seen over you know these last two seasons. You know it's not trending in a good direction. So look, um, Cuse Nation just. Wanted to hop on, put in my two cents with this, Jim being spicy. That's why I titled it Spicy Jim, because it's not much to talk about on the court, right? Like, we're not going to get too hyped up about squeaking by a BC team. You know, we we, we, we lost three out of four. And, um, you know, like I said, next five, six stretch of games are going to be uh, tough. And, you know, let's see if, if um team can string along some some good victories against some of these teams moving forward you know what i'm saying like you can't can't lose all of these close ones you know i think they have a win or two against one of these teams coming up but you know uh we'll see how it goes and hopefully we have something different to talk about no more spicy gym it's more about on-court action um look uh the recruit marcus adams i'm gonna get to him real soon I, I just want to see some of his games, see some of his film, evaluate him before I touch on him. Because I do think at this moment, that'll be our next um, next com- commit for the 2024 class. What's interesting, I'll leave you guys with this. What's interesting with both guys, with Marcus Adams and uh, and, and my guy Chopper Moore, Elijah Moore, even though they're both in the 2024 class, they're both 
eligible for the 2023 class because they're, you know, old enough, old for their grades. But I think the better thing is for the coaching staff is not to rush them. And I would keep them in the 2024 class. But what I would do is something similar what they did with Taylor and Copeland. And I would just place them in a IMG or Brewster Academy and just have them um, continue to work on their game, get stronger so that when they come to college, they're ready to go. Body wise, they're ready to go from day one because both guys still have to fill out like their their frames are still they're still physically immature, you know, body wise. So you give them that extra year to get their body rights, because when you talk about Bruce Academy or IMG, two two um, programs where um, we have good connections with and replace a lot of our plays there, they have great strength and conditioning programs. So that's why you see uh, uh, Justin Taylor come in and look college ready right there. He has a body of a senior. You know, you see Copeland come in and he looks good. So get Chopper and Marcus if he does commit. Place them in a, a, a prep program. Don't rush them because even you look, you bring Chopper in. Let's say Mintz comes back. We'll see what happened with Joe. But Copeland, Taylor, because I would love to see if Joe leaves. I would love to see Taylor at the two. That Mintz at the one, Taylor at the two, because that's a position you originally recruited him for. You told him, hey, when Buddy is gone, you're Buddy Bayham's replacement. So Mintz at the one, uh, Taylor at the two. Copeland could be your third guard, but Copeland gives you that positional versatility where he can be the third guard or he can be one of your rotational forwards. So like if you told if, if, so if they force Elijah Moore to reclassify, then it's like, all right, sure, he can practice against those guys. But then it's kind of like you're wasting a year of eligibility. You know what I'm saying? And these kids, when they come to college, they, they want to play. So I'm not sure you want to waste a year of eligibility with him just sitting on the bench and playing spot mop-up duty minutes. You know what I'm saying? I, I'd rather him stay another year, continue to work on his grade, get his body right, so that when he comes in, in that 2024 class, maybe a Mince is gone and, and, and things like that, and he's ready to come in at that guard position at one of the guard spots and he's ready to produce. Um, and with Marcus Adams, same thing. Like uh, at the wing, at the forward spot, you know, most likely if if Benny. And look, I think we all see the writing on the wall with Benny. When that's when the season's done, I'll be shocked if Benny's name is not in that portal in the next day or two when our season is over. You know, I think that's going to be a mutual situation where both sides agree a change of scenery is what's best. But you bring in um back uh, Brown. I think Bell would most likely return, but, you know, that could be a flip of the coin as well. And I really do feel that this time around, they are going to go back into that portal and try to find an experience forward that can, you know, knock down some shots and defend rebounding and things like that. Because you, I don't know, I like, if Bell returns, I prefer him as like the first forward off the bench. A guy that um, plays 15, 20 minutes and stuff because... We see the kind of player he is, you know, a guy that at times, sure, he can knock down some shots and everything. But when he's not knocking down shots, it's just he just doesn't give you anything defensively, doesn't rebound and stuff. It's like you can't have a guy 
that's playing 30 minutes, grabbing one, two rebounds at most. Like that, that can't happen. And and if he's playing 15 minutes, then fine. But 30 minutes, that like we we need a more physical presence at that spot. So I definitely need. I definitely do think they're going to go into the portal. And even JB kind of alluded to that, that, yeah, this time around, we were definitely going to look for some guys in the portal and stuff. So, you know, if, you, if you're going to have the depth there at the forward spot, then it doesn't make sense to force Marcus, Marcus Adams to reclassify. Like, let him stay in that 2024 class. And same thing like with Elijah Moore, just get his body right, work on his game so that when he comes in 2024, He's ready to go. He's physically mature. And, um, you know, he's ready to get it after it from day one. So, Q's Nation, that'll be it. Like I said, wanted to hop on and give you some content. Drop my two cents on uh, this whole uh, Jimbo, Spicy Jim. That's what we're going to call him, Spicy Jim. But uh, Q's Nation, until the next time. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate the love, support as always. I'm out.